When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What if we had a show about solutions? You know, a repair manual for the real world. Not the same old left versus right. I am right, right. and you are wrong. Boring. (laughs) Yeah, something new. Yeah, something new. How to make the world a better place. Yeah. How How do do we we fix it? it? How do we fix it? My credit card debt is overwhelming. And so many people are up to their ears in debt. I want to know, Jim. How do do we we fix fix it? it? The average U.S. household credit card debt is over $15,000, according to the Federal Reserve. That's a lot of money, considering credit card interest rates are so high. I mean, after all, credit cards are a lousy way to borrow money. Absolutely. And nearly half of all households have some credit card debt, and millions have a a lot more than they can afford. Joining us today on How Do We Fix It is someone who's seen the problem from both sides. She once had way too much debt personally and then paid it off and is now a credit card expert. Beverly Harzog is the author of two books. One is called Confessions of a Credit Card Junkie, and Beverly's new one is The Debt Escape Plan, How to Free Yourself from Credit Card Balances, Boost Your Credit Score, and Live Debt-Free. So let's start with your story, Beverly. You really messed up. Yeah, and I I was really interested in in looking at your bio, Beverly, to learn that you got a degree in accounting, worked as a CPA, but by your mid-20s, you were wildly in debt. In fact, you described your life as being, quote, a total disaster. So what the hell happened? Yeah, when I got out of college, I had a degree in accounting, got a great job with a corporation, making good money. For Actually, it was the first time in my life I had made so much money, and I just kind of went crazy. I did not have a good background in personal finance. Um, I could calculate earnings per share, but I couldn't even balance my checkbook. So I started getting all of these credit card offers in the mail, and they'd say things like on the envelope, you deserve it. You know, you're, you're fantastic. You earned this card. And so I started buying into the hype, and I thought, yes, I do deserve this. <laughs> so I started applying for all these cards. Now, within a couple of months, I had seven credit cards, and within a year or two, they were all maxed out, all maxed out. I mean, I was uh, over 20, about twenty twenty one thousand $21,000 in debt. So wow. what stuff were you buying? Uh, you know, I worked in an office. It was male-dominated back in those days, and I felt like I needed power. 
suits, <laughs> power accessories, power lunches, power cocktails. <laughs> so it was just – it was sort of designed to uh, boost my confidence. You know, there's often when you're, uh, you're spending it's out of control, it's because there's an emotional element involved. You're trying to fix something that's wrong, <laughs> okay? And it doesn't work, though. It's, it's very short term. So I would go out and buy, you know, an expensive designer suit, and I'd feel great for a couple of days. But then I would need something else to pick me back up. Do you think a lot of people do that? I think a lot of people do. There are all different reasons, though. It's partly emotional and partly because people don't have structure in place. They don't really um, understand how to stay out of trouble. Right. Now, you have a number of warning signs for people. What, what are some of the things that people could, should be aware of and maybe they're starting to go down that path? Okay. One of the biggies is um, head and sand syndrome is what I call it. And that is um, when you just, you're not even acknowledging what you're doing. And um, I, this was happening to me uh, when I was getting into credit card debt. Uh, I just, I ignored the problem. It was get, I knew it was getting bigger, and I just ignored it. At one point, I stopped going to my mailbox mm-hmm. because I just didn't want to see – I didn't want to see the bills. Mm-hmm. I stopped answering the phone. Debt collectors were starting to call Whoa, me. Whoa, debt collectors were. Yes. Yeah. It was getting bad. And uh, I had my rock bottom moment. And that's really what kind of jolted me back into reality. So that rock bottom moment, it sounds so much like what you hear in people's stories of recovery from mm-hmm. some kind of uh, chemical dependency. What, what, what was it like? You know, it's very similar to that. You know, the, the name of my book was Credit Junkie. <laughs> and uh, the reason is because, uh, you know, when you get addicted to credit and shopping, it is like a drug. And there were withdrawal symptoms when you try to stop. Now, uh, you know, when I had my rock bottom moment, because I had trouble stopping, okay, but I think most people in debt have a rock bottom moment, just like maybe a drug addict might. I was at the mall, as I was frequently back in those days. And I was in my favorite, I was at my favorite department store, and I was trying to buy a pair of Ralph Lauren jeans. And so I was standing in line, it was my turn, I hand over my credit card, and they go, sorry, ma'am, your card has been denied. And I, I would, had been over my limit, I hadn't paid my bills on time. Remember, I was in serious denial, I didn't even know that all of this was happening behind the scenes. So that was that was my moment, I, you know, and it was a retail card for crying out loud. You have to be such a disaster to lose a retail card. <laughs> so, you know, I went home that night. I got a glass of Chardonnay for courage, and I started spreading out all my bills and started staring down my debt. Mm-hmm. So your rock bottom moment mm-hmm. often leads to that. And, and my uh, my hope for many people is that they won't even have to hit that <laughs> that low that they'll just start staring down their debt. Yes, yes. Learn from my mistakes. So what was that plan that that got you out of that significant amount of debt? Mm -hmm. Well, I stopped using credit cards, partly because I had to. (laughs) No one wanted to give me credit anymore. Um, I still had one that was usable, but I decided, no, no, I am not going to uh, put anything else on a credit card. And that's really one of the first steps you have to do. Uh, And I go over this in my book. Stop using credit cards if you're in debt. Uh, so during that time, I used cash. I still had a debit card uh, connected with my checking account. Um, I cut expenses dramatically. Now, I was single at the time and had no kids, so it was easier, easier for me uh, to have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every night uh, because I didn't have to worry about you know, feeding a family. So you know, it depends on your particular circumstances to what you can cut out and what your plan can be. And, you know, one thing you've also talked about is, is getting a little extra income. That does, and you said it's easier than people might think, like, to get a second job. What, what are some of the things people have done that you feel 
you know, maybe surprise mm-hmm. them that it wasn't as hard to do as they thought it would be. You know, it doesn't always um, entail getting a second job because usually people cringe, you know, because when you're in debt, you're like over your head anyway, and you have a very overwhelmed feeling. But there were certain things you can do. One thing I did was I asked for a raise. And, you know, depending on what your circumstances are and how long it's been, you know, if it's been a long time since you've had a raise and you do a great job, ask, even if it's for a small amount. Um, I've had friends. You know, if I can just break in as someone sure. who's, who's employed a lot of people over the years, there's an old cliche that women are less likely to ask for raises mm-hmm. than men. I think there's some truth to that. But it's totally okay to go in and say, I need to raise my income. This is a personal goal mm-hmm. of mine. And, and, mm-hmm. and make that employer think a little harder about how about how valuable you are. Exactly, exactly. Um, You know, I did go in and ask for a raise, and, you know, I didn't say I need the money. I had the script in my head. I had rehearsed it, and, you know, I said, I've done this, this, and this for the company, and I haven't had a raise in, you know, a certain amount of time, and uh, I think I deserve an increase at this point. And as you just suggested, people are surprised by that because I think that sometimes they think they have to wait for things to come to them. But, no, you've got to go out and grab things. (laughs) And if that doesn't work out, look for another job. I mean, you do not have to stay at that company. Uh, if you've got a 401k and you're otherwise happy, there are other choices, too, that you can work on. Uh, I know friends that uh, were, were in debt and sold some things on eBay. It's interesting, too, to sell some of the things that you collected when you were on a spending spree and that you don't even really need. So there there were all kinds of things like that. And, you know, I think whether it's boosting your income or reducing expenses, uh, no idea is too outrageous to think about. You know, it's, it's funny talking about uh, selling things on eBay. My wife and I recently downsized to a smaller house, and and there was so much stuff. You know, old cameras, beautiful old 35-millimeter cameras, Leicas and stuff that we had gotten from various relatives. And eBay is a great way to finding those people who are willing to pay top dollar for that thing that's just sitting in your closet. Exactly. People collect all kinds of unusual Everything. things. Everything. There's little subcultures around, like like old mm-hmm. cameras, so yes. many things that aren't necessarily that valuable to the rest of us. Right. It's amazing what people will buy. So, I mean, that that's just one little suggestion. But, you know, if you brainstorm and think about it, you know, you'll come up with all kinds of ideas. Because I know getting a second job, especially if you've got kids, that that's that's difficult. And, you know, the debt escape plan doesn't require that you increase your income as long as you reduce expenses somewhere and you can apply that to the minimum payment on your target debt. Uh, you've described allowing yourself to carry a balance on your cars from month to month is sort of the gateway drug yes. towards uh, towards bigger problems. You know, I remember when I had my first credit card and I was carrying a balance. At first, I was a little bit shocked. I'm like, oh, my gosh, but it's okay. I'll, I'll pay it off next month. Because I only owe this much this I month. I only owe this much, right. And I can still buy this scarf, <laughs> and then I'll pay it off next month. But that didn't happen, and I got used to it. The shock value goes away. That becomes your new normal. And that's when it's dangerous. That's when it's a gateway. Well, tell us why having a balance on your credit card, in other words, not paying off your credit card in full every month, why that's such a bad idea? Is it largely because credit card interest rates are so high? I mean, gosh, mine's like, I think, 19.9% or something. Right. And I'll bet that's with excellent credit as well. Sure. I mean, these days, the the, uh, interest rates are so, so high. But, you know, the reason is because credit card debt is toxic debt. There is such a thing as good debt if you think about a student loan. At least that's an investment in your future. But credit card debt just means that you're paying much more than you ever intended to pay for 
everything that you bought. So you want to pay that off as quickly as you can. There's this very ugly thing called compound interest, <laughs> and it makes your debt get bigger and bigger. Right. And there's, of course, there's an opportunity cost. If you'd actually saved that money instead, you'd be in compound interest on your investments and we'd work in your favor. Exactly. So I think, I guess the very worst thing you can do is to pay your bills late. And then the next worst thing is to pay the minimum balance. Yes, absolutely. If you do have credit card debt, paying the minimum balance, uh, if you can only do that, it takes a very long time to get out of debt. You're really going to pay so much in interest expense, and you're going to feel like you're on a treadmill where you're just kind of running in place, and you're not really making a big dent. So you've you've, um, come prepared with some really specific suggestions for people. Why don't don't we get into that? So so take that person who has gotten over their head. what are the what are the key things they can do? How do they fix that problem? Okay, you know the most important thing to do, and uh, it's really quite difficult, is to look your debt in the eye and own it. Okay, so you, don't be in denial. Don't be in denial. Um, and once you look your debt in the eye, I call it staring down debt. Instead of your debt having power over you, you'll have power over your debt. So putting it off, putting it off, the worst thing. So you start with admitting to yourself what the problem is. Absolutely. And and then, okay, let's move on Mm -hmm. from that point. What do you do then? Okay, well, one of the most important things you have to do is to have a budget. And people kind of cringe when I say this. It sounds boring. (laughs) Uh, It sounds difficult, but it's really not. Now, um, there are so many ways now. Uh, you know, to automate your budget. And I even provide free worksheets on my website. It uh, does all the calculating for you. You can play around with your budget numbers all you want. And the reason you need that budget is because what we're going to do to get you out of debt is you have to uh, decrease expenses in places, find ways to increase income. You might be surprised at ways you can do that. Um, and then we'll come up with an amount that you can add to your minimum payment amount on your credit card debt. So let's get specific. I mean, mm-hmm. people have told me there are sites like mint.com, yes. which is pretty good. I keep mm-hmm. hearing that one's good. And then also QuickBooks. I mean, there, there are ways that you can use technology mm-hmm. to help you manage your debt and have a little fun with it. I mean, yes. because it, because these, these sites are pretty cool. The, the gamification are. of <laughs> budget management. Yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. It's, uh, it's not quite as fun as a video game, but... <laughs> Uh, there are so many options out there. I personally use Mint, and no, I'm not being paid to say this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I really I do. do love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a very visual person, and I talk about this a little bit in my book about learning styles and how you can match your personality and your learning style to the right budget application. And see, this is how people succeed, okay, when they find a system that works for them that they're willing to keep up with, you know, and, and maintain. That's when you succeed. Too many people feel, you know, overwhelmed or they don't have the right system in place for themselves. And so that's that's why some people fall off the wagon and they don't make it. Now, one thing I love, uh, and this, this is what you call your uh, your debt escape plan, right? Yes. So well, one uh-huh. thing I thought was intriguing was was you don't have to give up your latte. I mean, everybody says, like, <laughs> if you cut out that $3.80 latte every day, uh-huh. you know, you could have X money. Well, why do you say that? Because if you love your latte, you should keep your latte, really. <laughs> there are other places you can save that money. Uh, I freely admit I am a Starbucks addict. I love my coffee. I grind my own beans. I use a French press. It's just an experience for me. So I don't go out and buy it, but I do spend more on coffee than the average person would. But I cut back in other areas. You know, I don't eat out as often because I do this. Uh, I cut back on clothes budget, anything like that. So somebody that decides to keep their latte 
that's fine. That's important to you, and you need to take good care of yourself during this process because it's very emotional. But this means that you have to get that $3 somewhere else. Jim and I are pretty positive guys, and we've so far been talking about all the pitfalls of debt, and oh my goodness, people get into big trouble with credit cards, and a lot of people do. But there's some positive things about credit cards. I know that when my daughter, for instance, is uh, thinking about opening up a yoga studio, and the first thing I said to her is, what's your credit history like? And she said, well, it's okay. And I said, you've got to build a better credit history. And one way to do that is to borrow money. And that's what you're doing with a credit card. So credit cards can help you, can't they? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, having a, an excellent credit history is so important. And what uh, many people don't understand is that it can help you save money in many other areas of your life. Um, so how does that work exactly? Okay, it, it will save you money on health insurance, life insurance, car insurance, uh, mortgage rates, of course. And the reason is because, and this may not be totally fair, but this is how it is. Uh, if someone has bad credit, they appear to be more of a risk in terms of health or you know, or driving accidents. their car. And that's not particularly fair, but that is but how it, the system but it, works. But it could well be reflect actual you know, it could. A- it actual could. And facts in, out there in the world. Yeah, so the reason I have a few caveats here is because I talk to people every day who are in debt for reasons like medical debt. They had mm-hmm. a health crisis or a divorce or, you know, unemployed. Some people are still recovering from the recession. So, um, you know, I, 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 I do want to acknowledge that some people got in debt without being reckless. <laughs> so, you don't, yeah, you don't want to blame the victim. Um, right. But you can understand why the world works that way. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it, in many cases, there is a correlation. I mean, studies have shown that. Uh, so that's why. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at Burrow.com ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. They, they do it that way. So what are some of your favorite kind of techniques for, for being that power user of a credit mm-hmm. card? Really, you know, getting the most out of um, – out of your your credit cards. Mm-hmm. I love rewards credit cards. Now I pay my balance in full every month. No exceptions. Um, and it's very important to do that, particularly with rewards credit cards, because the interest rates tend to be higher. But if you have if you have developed sound credit habits um, and you pay your bill off every month, uh, figure out what kind of rewards credit card might help. Uh, every year, I pay for Christmas out of my cashback rewards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I use my card for like everyday things, uh, and I pay you know the balance back in full. That's really the key. And then there are other people who like to travel, and and they they use their credit card to earn mileage. Absolutely. I also have an airline miles card. I rarely pay for airline tickets these days. I want to return to one of your other um, suggestions, which is to start rebuilding your credit even while you're still in debt. How do you do that? 
Yes, you know, the most important thing to do, and this is just a very straightforward step, pay all of your bills on time, not just your credit card bill. You know, even if it's just a late cell phone bill, that could get reported to the bureaus. A lot of people don't realize this. The payment history is the largest factor in your FICO score. So Mm -hmm. the FICO score is is your credit score, and the bureaus you're talking about, I think there are three big companies that that compile uh, your credit history, mm-hmm. and they're the ones that are collecting this information. Like, for instance, if there's, a, if there's a late payment. Um, you know, sometimes the credit bureaus might even have different files on you. Not everybody reports to all three credit bureaus, but most major card issuers will do that. So, you know, you talked a little bit about different people's different styles and how they approach things. What if you're just a really kind of disorganized, <laughs> scattered person, like asking for a friend? <laughs> <laughs> not Jim. No, not right, me. Right, right. Okay, my advice for your friend <laughs> um, is to – is this, if, if this person is actually in debt um, – then I would say, you know, first look look your debt in the eye and own it. Okay, right. you have to own that debt, and once you do that, uh, you know it's important to pick a way to um, uh, analyze your budget, keep up with your budget, and most important of all, track your spending. If you don't track your spending, and with any good budget application, you're going to be able to do this. Um, you can't possibly stay on budget because you don't know how much you've spent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I got into debt years ago, one of my biggest issues was, well, I didn't have a budget, <laughs> but I didn't track my spending. And so, you know, things can get out of control in a hurry when you're not doing that. We, we should make one other little plug for credit cards, and, and that mm-hmm. is that when you're buying something other than spending cash, mm-hmm. they're often better. They have more protections than yes. debit cards do. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and you know today we live in a world where there's a new major hacking every week. Mm-hmm. So it's very important, you know, if you if you've got good credit and good credit habits, uh, use the credit card, particularly for major purchases. Sometimes you'll get an extended warranty that comes with your card. Sometimes you get purchase protection. Uh, some cards even offer price protection. So if you if you um, have the patience to read the fine print about all the perks and benefits you have. You, bet you might be surprised at what you have with your card. I want to go to policy for a moment because at least until very recently, reading your credit card bill, the small print at the end is just indecipherable. No ordinary person could possibly understand that. But there's been some progress in that field with, with something called the Card Act, I think, that, that required there to be uh, a, a bill that people could actually understand. Can you walk us through that? Yes. Um, a couple of years ago, you know, just before the Card Act, um, you know, we got something called the Schumer Box, and this was uh, legislation sponsored by Chuck Schumer. And this is an, a literal box that shows the rates and fees. That was a huge step forward because people used to have to get a magnifying glass just to find the interest rate. And then came along the uh, Credit Card Act of 2009. They gave us a lot of consumer protections that we needed. I mean, it was like the Wild West out there, really, with credit cards. They could just they could raise your interest rate without any reason at all or any warning. Um, so, the, you know, the Card Act gave consumers, you know, some needed protections. Mm-hmm. And looking ahead, are there some gaps still or some areas where you feel that um – there's some policy changes that could help consumers, or we've got it pretty well covered now? Um, you know, I think we're in a fairly decent place right now with credit cards. It can always be improved. Okay. And, you know, I know with prepaid cards, um, they're not credit cards, but they're very, very popular. Um, 
How, how do they work, prepaid cards? A prepaid cards looks just like your debit card, except it's not connected to a bank account. So you load money on the card and you use that. And usually they come with so many fees. And one of the reasons I bring up prepaid cards is because, you know, they're, they're looking at some legislation now to try to regulate it a little bit more, not go overboard, but do something like they did with credit cards so that the fees are in a box. I remember once I was reviewing a prepaid card and the terms and conditions it was so tiny, and it was sideways. I almost had to lay down on my desk to actually read <laughs> the fine print on this card. It was ridiculous. So, um, you know, just getting um, to the point where we have transparency, and that's really the key with both credit cards and prepaid cards, transparency so that consumers know what they're getting into. So you have your website, beverlyharzog.com, and you get a lot of people asking you questions. So what are a couple of the, the, the ones that come back over and over again? You know, one of the ones I get asked the most is, <laughs> how can I fix my credit quickly? <laughs> well, we're, and, we're doing that. Here. Right, right. Uh, you know, so I tell them, you know, pay all your bills on time. But another key to uh, boosting it as quickly as you can, it won't happen overnight, but within a couple of months, you'll see an improvement, is keeping a low credit utilization ratio. And that is the amount of credit you've used compared to the amount you have available. So, so. if you have like $10,000 if you can, if you are allowed to borrow ten thousand, mm -hmm. say how much should you borrow? Like, okay, conventional wisdom right? is three thousand, okay. thirty percent. But here's an insider tip: if you really want to boost that score a little bit faster, keep it below ten percent, thousand dollars, which might be hard, but that's the way to do it if you want to boost it in a hurry. So that that's one of the questions I get asked a lot. Another one I get asked all the time is. Um, you know, if someone uh, has had a secured card or if, even if they just want to add a, a different rewards card, uh, they want to know uh, what will happen if they close a credit card. I get asked that one all the time. Is that going to hurt their credit score? And the answer to that, I'm going to sound a little bit like a politician, a little wishy-washy, but it all depends. Okay, it depends on how long your credit history is. Uh, if you have a shorter credit history, it's going to hurt you a little bit more. But the thing is, okay, we just talked about the credit utilization ratio. A part of your available credit, okay, when you close a credit card, you lose some of that available credit. So that makes your ratio go up. And when your ratio ratio goes up, your credit score is going to go down. So that is the only, only thing you have to be careful about. And the way to get around that is uh, get your new card before you close that one so that your available credit stays about the same or maybe even improves. Is there any downside to just having a card that you don't, that you, as you said, you had an account that you had that you weren't really using? How long will they let you do that? Okay, these days, um, probably only a couple of months. Mm. So if you're in a situation where you've got debt or for whatever reason you've decided to stop using your credit cards, uh, you know, I encourage you to keep those accounts open unless you are a shopaholic and can't help yourself. Uh, so what you should do is maybe, you know, uh, use it for a gym membership. If you've got a gym membership, set it up with an automatic payment so that you're not actually – you know, tempting yourself by using the card, but your card will get used every month and get paid off every month. So that that's one way around that, but uh, probably just about a couple of months. And there are even some rewards cards that, you know, I've read in the fine print that if you have inactivity, you might lose your rewards. So th this is a new kind of thing to be aware of. 
I think what I'd like to do before we go is just review a couple of, of the action points. So one of your things is staring down your debt, not being in denial, right? I mean, just really grab it by the horns if you have debt problems. Absolutely. And that, you know, that is, I can't even stress how important that is because once you do that, you will feel a strange Zen type feeling. You know, it, it, it feels like, okay, phew, I'm glad that's over. <laughs> you know, now I can, I've accepted this. I did it. I have to fix it. Uh, and now I can start working on a plan. And, and then rebuilding with that plan and just taking right. it day by day, not, yes. not biting everything off at once. Yes. It takes a lot of time and patience. And, you know, I get asked all the time, how can I fix my credit by tomorrow? <laughs> mm-hmm. And it, it just can't happen. And so I want to warn people, too, about scams out there. Because when you're in debt or you have a bad credit score for whatever reason, you're very vulnerable. Okay. And you really do want to get out of this as fast as you can to stop the pain. So there are a lot of scams out there that will say, we can fix your credit in 48 hours. No one can do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So be very, very careful not to, not to fall into that trap. You can fix your credit yourself. Yeah. So, and to, to, to wrap up, I think it's also, we should give a, a nod to your great website. It has a lot of tools, resources, uh, beverlyharzog.com, including some, um, some spreadsheets you can download. And I'm terrible at spelling. It's H-A-R-Z-O-G. <laughs> That's Beverly right. Harzog. Okay. Yes. Beverlyharzog.com for, for more information. Jim, I'm really conscious that we're doing this show seven years after a near financial catastrophe. And one of the lessons of that catastrophe that so many of us took away is we got into too much debt. And I think that one of the reasons we got into too much debt was because of aggressive marketing by banks. Well, it's so easy for people to fall for this kind of thing. But, you know, I'm going to come on this one back to uh, personal responsibility. Just because somebody wants to market a BMW to you, if you don't have a high income, maybe you should be driving a Chevy. You know, they're they're not forcing you to. Now, when there's dishonesty in how the, the cards are presented, you know, there's lack of transparency on rates and that kind of stuff, that's a genuine problem that requires regulation, has been reasonably well regulated. But we're so deluged by slick marketing. Yeah, cool with that. that's the that's the water we all swim in. We're, you know, if you if you allowed your life to be ruled by marketing, you'd also be eating Dunkin' Donuts all day and Tostitas and and Snickers bars and soda. And some people do. I don't think the fact that those things are marketed absolves us from responsibility to to make smart decisions. Now, speaking around personal responsibility, maybe it would be a good idea if money education was improved in schools that kids were presented this problem by their teachers. You know, that's, I think you're so right about that. And I think there's a weird way in which American education, it, it's kind of, since we were kids, backed away from being too paternalistic. So you don't get the home ec th- that you used to get. You don't get the shop classes. When I was in, literally in sixth grade, we had a unit where we had to learn how to balance a checkbook and how checkbooks worked. And I still remember those lessons. I think every kid should have a class in, in basic literally home economics and because you know and kids are getting credit cards and dealing with cell phone bills and stuff at very young ages just on a personal note i gotta say i wish as a parent i'd done a better job 
of explaining credit cards to my kids. And I think there's a role that, that parents could play in all this stuff. Oh, absolutely. You know, it, this, is a, this is a part of life that's actually, as she said, it's pretty complicated, and no one really tries to teach you. It's not necessarily in the banks. It's not really in their interest to teach you too much because they like it when you run up a big balance. Speaking of the, the policy questions, um, where's, where's your line? What's the line you would, you would draw in terms of, of policy? Because there's been tremendous pushback from Republicans against the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which right. was set up as a result of Dodd-Frank, which was set up as a result of the, the near banking collapse. I mean, are those regulations generally a good idea, or do they go too far? It's a, I think it's a mix. I mean, you know, it's really interesting. This is off the topic of personal finance, but a study just came out that Dodd-Frank, did it, did it rein in the big banks? No. It made them bigger, and it made life harder for the small-town banks. So once again, uh, you try to regulate a field, and you wind up empowering the already powerful. That's not helping consumers. On the zone of consumer debt, no, I'm suspicious of it. I, I worry that there'll be mission creep, a good cause, you know, and sensible regulations definitely needed. But every time a new agency is set up, before long, they've, they've expanded their brief and they're poking into all sorts of areas that really weren't part of the original mission. There's one, one area, though, and Beverly mentioned this, the Schumer box, mm-hmm. um, the, 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 the Card Act, where I think regulation is a really good idea. And that's when you're going to, whether it be health insurers or credit card companies, and say, for goodness sake, guys, come up with a product where we can understand the terms, understand the interest rates, that it's clear what we're paying for, because that was a complete jumble. I think that's a great role for government, is enforcing some transparency. Uh, You know, smart economic decisions require good information, and in instruments that get as complicated as credit cards can be, it's easy for the banks to kind of play a little bit of a three-card Monty with with the information you really need. So I'm totally on board with that kind of information, because it's helping the consumer make a smart decision. It's not making the decision for the consumer. And also, I've got to say one other thing, and that is, thank goodness for technology. I mean, credit cards, really, when they came in, I'm old enough to remember when, when not many people had a credit card, and we had to walk around with wads of cash, and we always made out checks to people, and they took forever to, to clear. I mean, it's much easier now right. to, okay, but, to, okay, to but, deal with money. Yes, too easy. And I'm going to come back at you with the sort of paranoid libertarian concern. You get on an airplane today, and if you want to buy a sandwich or a beer, you can't pay with cash. There are so many transactions where you have to pay with some kind of card. Why is that a problem? Because it's one more element in our lives where we're forced into a system that kind of keeps track of us, that creates data about us. I voluntarily do this all the time. I'm not super paranoid about my data, but some people might choose to opt out of that. They're making it very hard of opting out of this kind of... A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Data-driven economy. Perhaps, but I I think, you know, if you uh, get on the plane, then uh, just bring the food with you. I don't know about you, Richard, but I'm going to go home and pay off my credit card balance. Or at the very least, look at look at uh, what what I've been spending my money on. Yeah, we actually do that. But back on the uh, on the podcast, we couldn't do this all by ourselves. Yeah, it's been fun, and one reason why it's been fun is because of our producer Miranda Schaefer, who, by the way, sometimes is a voice in our ear and says, "You got to ask this. You got to ask Beverly Harzog more about that rock bottom moment." For instance, that That's was right. Miranda. And Joe Plord, our audio engineer. We're, we're going in a new studio this week. And surrounded by a bunch of guitars and drum sets, we feel right at home. 